What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. The justice system is not here to help or protect people of color. People of color, any color. That's why we got to come together regardless of race and fight against it. This is not a black versus white problem. An unjust justice system is everyone's problem. And if you're sitting here thinking it's not your problem, that's a problem. Hey y'all, this is your host, Aisha Harris. I'm popping in real quick to let you know that the conversation you are about to hear with actress Gabourie Sidibe was recorded live at the New Orleans Film Festival on October 14th. Her directorial debut, the short film Tale of Four, is written by Kia Perry and follows a day in the life of four Black women. Each character deals with trauma, heartbreak, and self-discovery, and you can find the short film streaming online now. We'll provide a link in the show page. Enjoy! Thank you. So I'm Aisha Harris. I am a culture writer and the host of the podcast Represent at Slate. And it's great to be here for the 28th uh, annual New Orleans Film Festival. Uh, so the woman I'm about to bring out, she's incredibly smart, funny, talented. She, you just saw her debut, directorial debut. Uh, did you guys enjoy it? Yes. So you probably know her best for the work she's done on screen over the last few years, including her Academy Award-nominated performance as Precious, um, as Queenie on American Horror Story Coven, and also as Becky on Empire. Uh, She also just recently released a memoir called This Is Just My Face, Try Not to Stare. It's really funny, insightful. I love it. If you haven't already, you should definitely check it out. And everyone, please give a warm welcome to Miss Gabourey Sidibe. I learned to walk from watching toddlers and tiaras. Hi, everyone. Yes. So it's just welcome. I'm so glad to have you. It's great to to be talking to you. This is really fun. I always think that these things aren't a big deal until I'm in front of the audience. And then I like have to I'd choke on my own tears. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is your debut. And I know in your memoir, you talked about how when you got behind the camera, you wanted to wear a biggie shirt. And I know that you said in your memoir that you finally did wear that biggie shirt. How did it feel to wear that Biggie shirt? 
Uh, we shot for four days, and I wore a Biggie Small shirt and an African print skirt literally every day. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it was really, really great, because all the female directors I know, they have a very set look. They have an aesthetic, and um, I kind of, I wanted that to be mine. Yeah, because yeah. Ava Ava has the hat. Yes. You know? And you Debbie have Allen has pants. Yes. And like, and like sweaters around her around her um shoulders. Yeah, everyone has a look. On on Empire, one of the, the directors we have all the time, Senna Hamry, always wears a duster. She's so fly. Like duster and boots. And if she if you see her sweet pass, you know somebody's in trouble. And so like, <laughs> I was like, I wanna look. I wanna look. Yes, yes. Well, I'm so glad you got to wear that Biggie shirt. I really, I mean, as much as you can enjoy something like this, uh, because it's so heavy and powerful, I really, like, there's just so much going on here. And I'm curious as to what made you want to make this your debut? Like, what about this was like, this is going to be the first thing that I direct? (laughs) So the interesting thing about um, this idea, so it's an, an adaptation of a Nina Simone song called The Four Women, and um, it was actually my my producer, Lisa, um, no, Lisa Cortez is another, Lisa, you're great, no, but I meant Kia, <laughs> so Kia, Kia, Kia Perry, um, the producer, and also one of my really, really great friends, uh, had the idea, and she, so I live for nine months out of the year uh, in Chicago, shooting Empire, and... <laughs> little known show and and she came to visit me and she told me I'd never heard the song before and she let me hear and she told me about this idea that she had to make it into a film and um I saw it so clearly already and I I didn't think I'd have anything to do with it but I couldn't wait to see the film Mm -hmm. and um it just so happened by the by the next year Refinery29 and Shatterbox came to me and said we'll let you direct a movie we'll pay for it direct whatever you want we can either give you a script or you can come up with something on your own and I went back to Key and I said I know that you wanted to get this done what if you let me direct it and that way it's in the world and no longer just in your head Mm, yeah that's that's really awesome that they just came to you because like it's really difficult to make a movie and get money for that so is it (laughs) I'm kidding I know I'm hashtag blessed I know (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah Uh, so you know how did you get Aisha Hines to to get involved because she first of all the monologue at the end Aisha Hines is so excellent at delivering monologues so I always, I think at this point, I expect her to give monologues, and this monologue was no different. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about how she got involved? Oh, yeah. It was super, super tough. We asked her. We did. Simple. <laughs> so the funny thing is, so Kia, uh, I think, is friends with Aisha somehow. And um, I mean, while Kia was thinking of this idea, she was kind of gathering people. Like, Lettucey, who's also here, who was Aunt Sarah in the film. Uh, right? Give it up for Lettucey. Yes. <laughs> so um, we were, I went, so we were the BET Honors, and I made Kia come with me. And uh, we happened to just like end up in like some weird, remember like that weird hotel after party in Lee Daniels' room? It was so strange, you guys. It was so (laughs) weird. It was the weirdest thing ever. And we were just like, he kept ordering shrimp cocktail. It was strange. Anyway, and like, I mean, the party was five of us. (laughs) But but Lettucey was there and Kia kept staring at her. (laughs) 
<laughs> because, 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 okay, here's why. So Kia got this idea from watching uh, Lettucey and uh, Marsha Ambrosis and was it Jill Scott and Kelly Price? They were, the four of them were performing the four women on the BET Honors like oh, a right. year before. And so, and Kia already always saw Lettucey. She, Lettucey did Peaches. Mm-hmm. And, but she, she was like, I want her, I want her. And she was staring at her crazy. Was she staring at you crazy, Lettucey? Do you remember? <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. And so, like, to add to the shrimp cocktail, it was a weird party, y'all. <laughs> and so, um, and so, what? So the same thing with Aisha. We kind of she was gathering people, and then we're when we got the lookbook. I was flipping through, and we had uh, we took images from Juice. We took images from Women's Bruce's place. We took a lot of images, and I saw Philly Savon Stickney, and I said, I want her. And so, and for for John. For John, uh, I wanted Jesse Smollett, who is one of my best friends. I call him my personal idiot. He gets it. Don't worry. But, and for Sweet Thing, I wanted Dana Gurrier, who is also one of my best friends. Who, and a New Orleans native, baby. She over there, baby. Yeah. So, so, the, so the, the strange thing, like, we were just kind of building the cast and, and also, like, building the people. So, like, the first person we went to is the phenomenal Lisa Cortez, producer, who... <laughs> Lisa's everything. So, Lisa is the first producer I've ever met because she produced Precious as well. And I remember watching her on set and just, like... And I just thought... I just think she's so brilliant and so cool and so smart and just... She's Earth. She's everything. And she was the... She was the first decision we made. We said, we want her. And so... And I went to her... Like, we went to her... Asked her immediately. She said... So, I say all that to say, we just cho- chose who we want and everybody said yes within an hour. And, like, I, I understand this. I'm like, oh, it's hard to make movies. I understand that it's hard. But <laughs> I really get it. But this film was such a huge blessing and it was it it was the easiest thing all i we just figured out who we wanted and we just kept asking them and no one said no to us not a single person said no the thing i noticed is that all the people you mentioned so far are women who were involved and i do you know i feel like women can be ladies yes <laughs> it's just when you have that environment, I imagine it's it makes everything a lot, especially in this industry, a lot go smoother. Um, and Refinery Twenty Nine, I know, is is very they have a direct, like they target women as well. Absolutely. So it sounds great that you had had that camaraderie and and all that support. Now I know you've you've mentioned that you were hiring in the midst of hiring. You were looking for an assistant director, first assistant director, and you you mentioned in your memoir that you uh, interviewed a man who immediately thought that he was going to get the job and was very sort of condescending. I mean. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about men. Uh, so, um, so one of my mentors, uh, Victoria Mahoney, who you will know her soon if you don't, because of Dawn, the Octavia Butler book, she's making that into a, a television oh, show yeah. with Ava DuVernay. Get into Victoria Mahoney. Yes. So, so Victoria is uh she's one of my mentors and we like very early on before we even have had a script like we would sit with her and she you know and she would give us pointers and then she broke the script with us and she said you know more than likely your assistant director is going to be a man 
that's just the way it is. You know, there aren't enough female assistant directors, but make sure. And she's like, and your crew's going to be mostly men, which means that they do not want to listen to you. Even though you're the boss, they're going to want to talk over you. They're w- going to want to um, just, you know, make everything you say null and void. Mm. And so make sure you find an AD who listens to you. And if he doesn't listen to you, make him. And w- the way you treat the crew and the way they treat you in the first five minutes of any shooting schedule is the way they will treat you until the last five minutes. And so uh, I met with one AD that Kia set me up. She set me up with two people. The first AD, uh, yeah, he seemed to be put off by how smart I am. Which is weird, right? Mm-hmm. What is that? And like, I'm a nerd. Okay, so like, I lived here in in New Orleans for seven months, and so and we got here yesterday, and so I've just been giving an unofficial tour all around. Like, <laughs> I was like, now Merrill's has a ghost in it, and like, I'm all over the place. And so, but I like, I'm I'm always like spouting off facts. And I think we were we were having tea, and he hiccuped, and I said, you know, um, actually, uh, scientists don't know why. We hiccup. You think it comes from the diaphragm, but it actually comes from the brain. That's why there are lots of different tricks to stop hiccuping. There's swallow, um, swallow air, stop breathing, and also like drink water. There are a lot of different tricks because your brain is doing something, and the only way to stop it is to keep your brain from doing it. That's why after you do something a long time, it doesn't work anymore. Your brain's like, I know that fucking trick, and it just keeps doing it. You know, so like that. And so that's what I said. That's probably super nerdy. And he looked at me and said, Oh. You smart, huh? But like that, you know what I mean? Not like, not like, oh my God, you're smart. But like, oh, you smart? Like that. And I was like, this is not the guy. I was like, yeah. this, this is not. And he said it like three times during the meeting. I was like, not you, bruh. <laughs> and he really thought he died. He was like, so uh, when do I get my call sheet? And uh, what time are we shooting? And I was like, mm, good night. <laughs> And so I had an, another meeting with Marcus Clark, who is uh, a, Marcus Clark is a really, really, really dope AD. He's also a really dope director in his own right. Also, he's a he's a he's a team player because like when so during the the flashback of Aunt Sarah being choked out, we told him in the meeting. I was like, we were like, listen. I was looking at his hands. So I was like, all right. Um, so we don't want to cast a husband. I never want to see his face. And so we're just going to need you to choke out lettuce And he thought we were joking until, <laughs> until we were like, where, get, put on this ring. <laughs> like, until we were at set. Like, he truly thought it was a joke. So he, those are his hands. And then I gave him a lie. I was like, so say, shut up, bitch. And he was like, you want me to see the B word? And I'm like, yes. Oh, he's That's so why sweet. it started. He goes, shut up, bitch. Like that. <laughs> he's, he's such a nice guy. He didn't want to say it. Aww. I know, he's so sweet and fine. Uh, he did. He apologized, right? He was so nice. Aww. <laughs> and he's fine? Yeah, he's also fine. He's right. like six, seven. It's okay. crazy. I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to Google him after this. All right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I slide in the DM. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, pivot a little bit. Um, <laughs> you mentioned violence and him choking her out. And uh, on a more serious note, a lot of what happens, actually the whole movie, is about these four women and their proximity to violence and the violence around them, um, whether it's you know getting choked out or a, a rape. Um, there's a lot going on. And there are ways in which directors can 
portray these things and there's ways in which they can portray them in a either exploitative manner, especially when you're dealing with women and women of color. So was there anything you were thinking about when going into actually getting behind the camera and directing these scenes where you're like, okay, I want, I don't want to do this. What is the proper way to approach this sensitively? Like what was your thought process going into it? Uh I thought a lot about it actually. I well okay, so my first ever my first ever audition and so my first ever job was Precious. And there's a I, it's a there's a rape scene and I was like 24 years old. I'd never I've never even, you know, I never kissed anyone on film. And so uh shooting that scene was really really tough. And I so I've always known that these no matter even if it's a love scene, you have to be really really sensitive. Um because these things can be not only can they be sort of like embarrassing, it can also bring up a lot of, it can bring up your past. Traumatizing, it can bring, yeah. yeah it can, it's traumatizing. And so I knew that I wanted to be, that's why I was like, look, if Aunt Sarah's being abused, I don't want to see his face. I knew that immediately. We mm-hmm. don't need to see his face. Um, we didn't need to see the cop killing uh, Peaches' son. We didn't need to see Peaches kill. Like, I didn't want it. We, you get it. We don't need to see it. And even the love scene between John and Sweet Thing, we were very, very sensitive uh, about it. Because also, that was that was day one of shooting, and they're both, like, two of my best friends. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure they're comfortable. I don't want anyone to walk away uh, having a bad experience. And I also, I just, like, I, I approached directing the same way I think I would have approached the story as a viewer. I know what I what I want to see and what I don't want to see and what I don't need to see. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really tried to be sensitive to that. Yeah. I mean, I even the, the love scene between those two felt teetered on like this sort of, not, it wasn't violent per se, but it had like a, an aggression to it in a way that I thought was really well handled um, and didn't feel overly like scary or Absolutely. you know and I want yeah. a sweet thing to be the aggressor yeah and so yeah. it's a it sort of flips it it's a, it's uh we've wanted originally we wanted to use Nina Simone's I put a spell on you but money um <laughs> we couldn't afford it <laughs> and so but, but I still wanted to relay the idea that John John is a married man he just left her house he left his ring so he had to go back up there he already boned her now he's gonna bone her again and so but like we were I wanted I you know, why? Why? Um, why is he so attracted to her? Why does she have this power? And I needed to get that across without, you know, the song. Where's my ring, sweet thing? Come on, man, you play too much. I gotta go. And go. I I wanted to show that she had the upper hand. It, mm-hmm. it was like it was his marriage. Like all of that stuff was his, but like when he was in front of her, he belonged to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even that ending of the, of the film, I didn't see coming um, because I think so often we see at this point we we've had plenty of works that are dealing with Black Lives Matter, dealing with police brutality against Black people, but we never really see. A, re- a retaliation of sorts and now that we saw it on screen but we know we can infer from that that's what happened um and that can be risky because you know even just kneeling during the national anthem can get people in a fear so like implying that uh i didn't see that coming what 
did you worry about that at all? I didn't at first. Mm. Um, I am. I think a lot of us kind of like in reality. I think we kind of saw something like that coming, mm-hmm. and so it was really interesting to not only write about it but to to direct it and to see it in film. The problem is, uh, we were shooting right around the time there was a vigilante shooting people in Texas and mm-hmm. like that right around that time, which is not, I mean, it, it, you, the timing was the worst thing. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, also people died. I'm sorry. But, uh, it was, uh, so we, at, originally you see the gun and then I got a very serious business call from the producers and from Refinery and they're like, so listen, you know what's going on. We don't want to see the gun. We can't see the gun. That's too much. Because mm. um, we know like that certainly is not our intention. I mean, as much as we talk about Black Lives Matter and like, you know, and we rally and we march. I think for the most of us, yeah, I know for the most of us, our intentions are not to hurt other people. We're not against cops. We're not against, you know, against white people or anyone. Like, we're, we're against just straight up dying in the streets with our hands in the air. That's mm-hmm. what we're against. Like, it's, please do not um, discount me. I'm a human being. No matter my color, I'm a human being. We're against that. But, like, certainly the answer is not to go out and shoot um, cops certainly the answer is not to get your own justice the yeah. thing about peaches specifically is she she needed it yeah i mean i also just think so often we we tell the family members of these people who have died to keep in their rage and just suppress it and obviously retaliation is not what we want but at the same time you can you can at least understand. Like, I could understand where she was coming from. Absolutely. And I think that came across. In the, in she the lost her son. She yeah. lost her life. She lost her family members. She lost a part of herself. And what, what we see is every time this happens, because this happens in real life and has been happening since the, you know, the dawn of, you know, different races. Like, this has always been going on. Um, and now, because of social media, we see more of it, but it's, I'm sure it's not more than it's ever been. We just see it. And then we turn these lives into hashtags, and that's not enough. Yeah, yeah. So I... That got I wanna... dark. <laughs> it did get dark. It, it might get a little darker. Uh, so you are a huge uh, tweeter. You tweet a lot. Well, you like to recap stuff. <laughs> you have an entire chapter devoted to your tweets or the tweets that you would tweet uh, if you wanted to um, or if you felt comfortable doing so. And I, would, I, I wouldn't want to have this conversation without you know, mentioning the fact that right now in Hollywood there is a whole thing about Harvey Weinstein and all that that's happening. Just yesterday um, there was a hashtag going around uh, in support of Rose McGowan. Mm. Basically it was a boycott of, and women were supposed to boycott Twitter. Right, Twitter. Well, which is in- interesting that you want to meet silence with more silence. Right, yeah, I didn't understand mm-hmm. that. Um, so that part didn't really make sense to me. But also, you know, women like Eva DuVernay said, you know, well, where were you when ESPN's Jamal Hill was getting a lot of, a lot of, getting dragged for that stuff and and where are you when women of color get into these messes you there's not support for that um i mean what do you how do you feel about the way in which this is all kind of taking place on on twitter and do you feel as though your voice matters on twitter absolutely uh i think it's it's sort of a controversial idea but white feminism is a thing 
Like, it seems, you know, feminists are only riled up about things that happen to women that look like them. But we're women. We're women of color, and you you don't stand for us. And it's a lot. And so our voices are absolutely so important. That's why it didn't make sense to, like, have a day without tweets. Because you're, you're, it's silence upon silence. The problem is that they want our, they want our silence. Why are you silent? Yeah, the men should have been silent, I thought. That's insane. That's the way it should have been. Yeah, you shut up. Yeah, I promise I don't hate men. I'm just saying. No, no, no we love them. <laughs> we love men, but yeah, like that was the the opposite of what it should have been. Like men, men who claim to be feminists or claim to be allies were the ones who should have been doing the boycott. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, um, that's what our our voices need to be louder and louder and louder because they will tell us to shut up, and when they do, we should just be louder and louder and louder. Yeah. Um, no one's gonna fight for us. Like we will. And black women have been out here fighting for all of America mm-hmm. since since the dawn of America, since we were dragged here. Ooh, that got dark. You know what? It's dark. <laughs> Slavery, y'all. <laughs> but, but it's true. We've been we've and we the thing is we fight for all of America and white feminism fights for white women. That is that is truth. <laughs> yes. So a lot of white people in the audience. I just felt I had to say something. (laughs) (laughs) The elephant in the room. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's not get so dark anymore. I I promise this one I'll be dark. Uh, Another thing you mentioned in your memoir, again, everyone should should check it out, um, is the fact that you went through a quote-unquote hoe phase. Um, And that was sort of, the hoe phase was sort of an experience for you of like, depression and and um just you had to climb out of that and and i'm gonna get a grenade and fall back into a hoe phase tonight (laughs) (laughs) so you had a hoe phase um someone else had a hoe phase uh on insecure season two if anyone has has seen it uh isa ray her character she she goes through a hoe phase and then like her life gets out of control it's it's crazy um so we don't know what's going to happen in season three, but I'm curious as to what kind of advice you would give Issa, the character, for getting out of her hoe phase or for dealing with her hoe phase. <laughs> I'm thinking about my hoe phase, which, to be fair, my hoe phase was like a year and three months. It was more of a hoe fa. Like it wasn't like a hoe. F- it wasn't like a whole phase. <laughs> Um, and it's not like I was like, everybody, come. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. It, it was like a few dudes, chill. <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, look, I'm friends with a lot, mostly women, and every one of us has had a hoe phase. By the way, I mean, I've were, had a hoe phase. Yeah, but know, if you were a man, this. you would just be called a man. This is true. Like, men are constant. Like, my dad's still in his hoe phase. He's 65. Like, he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I would say, I mean, I was very excited that she was trying to get into her ho-ho phase. Like, yeah. give my hotation. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think that she, the, the thing about, like, I don't know if, is there, like, a smooth exit from a ho phase? How was the exit from yours? What happened to you? How'd you leave it? I, I met someone. Oh, see, I feel like that's what it is. You're like, I'm a hoe down for you. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very simple. Like you. But, I'm a hoe it down. <laughs> but I guess, like, I guess another way, I, I wouldn't advise going cold turkey, because why would you do that? But, like, I did. Did it? Did it? Did you, did, uh, did you feel good about it afterwards? I mean, I, it, it depends on every like your own personal comfort. I yeah, guess. Yeah, I kind of well, uh, look. Whole phases are different. Okay, they like they're not all the yeah, same. Yeah, your personal whole phase is your personal whole phase. <laughs> um, so my personal whole, I just yeah, I went cold. To, I just like something felt wrong. Not like there. No, I mean like in my spirit, <laughs> I was fine. I was, I was, I was protected. Okay. <laughs> By condoms and the blood of Jesus. <laughs> That's important. Never have a hoe phase without using production. Okay. Yes, it's very, very intense. But yes. I, I shut it down because I didn't... Well, like, also part of my hoe phase, not that this is part of everyone's hoe phase, like, there was, you know, I was depressed and I wasn't in a great place in my life. And, so, and I, my hoe phase was really about a distraction. Yeah. And then I started to get well, um, I started seeing a therapist and I was like, oh, like, I, are there children here? It's too late. You're already. Yeah, I, it's way too I'm late. Sorry. I, now that I think about We're it, sorry. Past that. You're <laughs> fucked up. All right. I'm sorry. My bad. But, my bad. Whatever. But, but like, I literally said, like, if the, the, I mean, something happened, like, nothing, like, nothing violent happened. I just, like, one day I thought, that's enough. That's, it really, it was like, I don't. I don't care to be fucked and forgotten. And so I was done. That's all. Yeah, that's just simple as that. I'm ready now, though. (laughs) (laughs) You can forget me, baby. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So my my last question for you before... Yes, I, we're not going to end on that note. But uh, <laughs> before we get to audience questions, I, I want to ask you, when is the last time you saw yourself on screen and you, it, you were not involved? Wednesday night at 8 p.m.? Yeah, Empire doesn't count. <laughs> um, Empire doesn't count. This, this short we just watched doesn't count. Something where you weren't directly involved, but you felt as though the character, the scene, the movie, the TV show you could relate to it or you saw something about yourself in it. I'd have to say, and this is, look, um, we're all narcissistic. Like, honestly, like the reason, like, I mean, like, are a good chunk of you filmmakers? The point of making films is so you can see you, right? It's all, like, art is a mirror. You just want to see yourself um, because you don't get to see yourself. And so, um, there's a show called The Good Place, that show's genius. That sh- it's the if you're not watching, get into season one. Season two just started. Get your life. And I felt connected to that uh, show in the first like three minutes because there's a character named Chidi, 
And Chidi is Senegalese, and I am Senegalese, and 90% of my family is Senegalese, and I'd never seen a Senegalese character on TV. And he, like, his whole life is an existential crisis, and so is mine. Like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm not going to sleep tonight filled with regret for, like, for, for what I've said here. I just, I'm always kind of, my brain is always going, and I, I see mes- myself in him, and I see myself in, you know, Feeling like you're, and also in Kristen Bell's character, who is like a shitty person, but ended up in the good place anyway. I won't ruin it for y'all. But um, this idea that I'm not, I'm not as good as everybody thinks I am. I'm fooling people. Um, that feeling, but also I say that because I'm gonna go right back to insecure. And again, Issa Rae, her first name is Issa Rae. My name is Gabourey. Issa and I are both Senegalese women. And we're the same kind of, she's an American mother and a Senegalese father, as do I. And I, I see myself in, in, in that and in her. And also in, you know, her like messing up a really good thing in Lawrence. But also he's not a great thing. Yeah, I'm, he's not. I never understood Team Lawrence. Well, yeah, the Lawrence hive is lit. Yeah, no. They like, y'all, y'all watch Insecure? Now he's fine as well, but okay, but he sat on the couch for two years over mm-hmm. woo woo. Yes, woo woo. <laughs> oh right, that was the name of his app. Yes, that's woo-woo. the name of his. Like, if you don't get your ass down to the Best Buy and sell somebody a TV, boy. <laughs> but like he he wasn't a great thing, but he was close enough. He looked like a great thing, and I've definitely been in relationships where I'm like, you are shitty you are not a good thing but you also ain't nothing but something to do and i'm bored and that's what i think that you know you you want someone to text i got home you want someone to like care that you're alive and that's why you end up in these relationships um you get so lonely you forget what you're worth SZA. I am not emotionally stable enough to listen to the SZA album in public. I need to stop. (laughs) And so, but it's, I I see myself in in Issa Rae and that character and, you know, feeling stuck, feeling really stuck. Like she's at this job, we got y'all. But she's like, she's probably a smarter than that job. And it's like, and she's not, she's not really taken seriously. Those kids like stole all of her Oreos and it was weird. and it reminds me of when I was a phone sex operator. Y'all know that. It, y'all know that, right? Y'all want me to do the voice? Oh yes, <laughs> do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> okay. Y'all should get my audio book because I do all the voices. Because like, like my audition voice was like right up here. My name was Becky, and I um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. My dog was like licking my ankle, and it tickles. But anyway, I'm like 21, and um. I'm like a philosophy major because I really like to think, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I assume I can pick up my Oscar on the way Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, we have a little bit of time for some questions. Uh, we have some mics. Hi. 
Uh, so I'm guessing that maybe you showed your work to Ava. Um, maybe not. What have the you film- got the hookup? No, I look. <laughs> I just heard a name thrown around. So. But what what have the the filmmakers and the um, the directors that you've reached out to for advice after having seen this? At, or have you not asked anybody? I'll redirect. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I'm so. I uh, I I really really love this film and I'm so proud of it and I'm so proud of all the work that not only I did but my team did. I was I'm really I'm so proud of them and um, I was very afraid to let the cast and crew see it and I'm too scared. To, I sent it to Ava because um, she asked for it, not because I'm weird, but I wasn't like, hey, my phone. like, no, it wasn't like that. She asked me. Um, I sent it to Lee Daniels, who is my first ever director, who is critical. And um, and he told me to remind him that I sent it to him, but he, I didn't do it. I'm still nervous. I'm very nervous. Did you guys like it? Y'all just saying that because I'm here or... <laughs> Okay. I just I I I I don't know. I didn't ask anyone for advice after it's made. I I was getting all the advice that I could before. And um luckily also on Empire we get a new director every episode. And so I ran it by all of the writing team who are all directors and uh Craig Brewer who did Hustle and Flow and Senna Hamry and and Victoria Mahoney like I said who's a mentor and a I think I, did I talk to D. Reese about it? Did we talk to D. Reese about it, Kia? Yeah, we talked to D. Reese about it. Yeah, I, and I gathered as much kind of um, advice as I could, and their advice was ridiculous. Craig Brewer told me to take a change of sneakers and socks to work every day, and I was like, Craig, shut up. <laughs> but he was right. <laughs> Wait, why? why? Because you're on, like, I didn't think about it, but like, I'm on my feet all day long and like your feet get all sweaty and gross that's why I'm airing it out um tonight but like and your shoes start to feel like cement it's so crazy we shot for four every day I would go home and my entire legs would be in pain toned look at these calves y'all see this they're beautiful calves thank you but but really in pain yeah (laughs) that is smart advice yeah no that was good hi uh my name is Sarah and um I just have a question of uh, why you chose to talk about four different women's stories instead of delving in on one woman's story. Could you speak to that? The song didn't. The song talked about all four women. The song is, I don't know if you, has anyone heard the song? It's a beautiful, haunting song. And the song's really short. It's like a three-minute song. If that long. And, And she, the way she speaks about each woman it's so alive and it's so it's so beautiful and you can see their entire universe you know you see aunt sarah you have to assume that there are a niece and nephew and there's a brother and a sister and mother you have to assume that there's an entire family um and then it's you know she's like she's an abused woman you have to assume that there's an abuser you see the world she nina builds an entire world around each woman and i it it each of these women are important, but um, not one of them was important, was more important than the next. You know, I wanted to, we wanted to do every single one of them. Because the thing about this, the thing about the four women, what speaks to 
to us, the filmmakers, these are these four women are are me. These four women are you. These four women raise me. These four women are my mother. These, if I ever have a child, these four women will be my, will be my daughter. And so, um, it really it's a love letter to the idea that you have to be like a strong black woman. You guys are white. You gotta y'all all should be strong black women. But 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 this idea that you have to be like no no emotion no like do you know how many do you know how many rap songs that I twerk to tell me that I have to do a bid for for my boyfriend that I literally have to go to jail or I have to ride or die why. <laughs> That is like, but the, everything that we do. I mean, this this is also like a general woman thing, not specifically a black woman, although specifically a black woman. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, but you know, your entire life is for someone else. You know, everything that you do, you have to. Mm-mm, your older brother need or your younger. You know, uh, uh-uh, make sure you eat last, and the you know the man gets a big piece of chicken, and, and that sort of thing. And I'm African, like I was born Muslim. And so my, and I read the Quran when I was like five, six years old and dipped out. Um, (laughs) Because the, because I I read the parts that said that I have to always adhere to a man. That's my, my entire life. I was born to adhere to a man. And so this film is a love letter to the, to the woman who forgets herself by taking care of other people. I think also it just seeing four women as opposed to one, I think makes the the idea of sisterhood and and us all being connected even stronger. Absolutely. And they never meet each other, but they're in the same building. They're they're, their entire universe is right next to each other. A wall, a, a wall separates them. And it's just, you know. You never know what someone else is struggling with, and they're right next to you. How many times are you in an elevator with six people? You're literally touching each other. Each person that you're touching is an entire universe. Think about it. Hi, Gabrielle. I'm Xander Shea. Where are you? Oh, nope. This way. Oh, okay. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, Earlier, you mentioned something about like having insecurities with going into directing this, and so how do you, if you have this issue? deal with um, constantly reassuring yourself that like your ideas are your own when you're collaborating with so many people. That's the thing about like art and ideas is it's not, they're not your own. It's a collaborative effort. Like even our lookbook, like I said, came from, do we have some stuff from color purple too? No. Yeah. Women's Bruce's place. We took from a bunch of places. We women's Bruce's place and uh, juice was our favorite. The elevator scene. We straight gank that. Um, but the thing of it, like every, I mean, look, full house is back. There are no new ideas. <laughs> full house is back. Y'all. It's, I believe it's called Fuller House. Yeah, no, they're Fuller now. They got the E and the R. It's, it's, it's a different. different thing. But <laughs> there are no new ideas. But the interesting thing about like collaborating with other artists is your everybody's idea becomes our idea. Um, and it's not about, although like, you know what, I'm not sure if I have enough ego to like be a great successful director because I really, it's all of us. And I don't, I don't care about like having the original idea. I don't care about um, 
getting the credit for being great or whatever. This is a collaborative effort. I have the least amount of experience of everybody on set. And I, this film would be nothing without our producers. This film would be nothing about, without the AD, the DP, the PA, every single person. We were all hands on deck. And so I don't, I don't care to take all the credit. I don't care to have, you know, my idea protected because it wasn't my idea in the first place. It was our idea. It was Kia's idea. Give it up for Kia Perry. <laughs> I think we have time for one more. Oh, hello. Hi. As a young filmmaker, um, what is some advice you would give me? <laughs> he asked the question. He ain't no puppy. <laughs> How old are you? 14. Okay, then yeah, aw, oh, sorry, I was wrong, I was wrong, you are adorable, my bad, my bad. Um, I would say um, the great thing about the four women and the song, like I said, these are people I recognize, I recognize them in myself, I recognize them in my family and my friends, um, and in that way, I got to to do what I know. I know what it's like to be a black woman. I know what it's like to be a black woman with pain. And so I just, uh, I did what I know. So I would say, write, have ideas, always carry, well, you, you what, do you have an iPhone? You're 14, you shouldn't have it. No, you should. No, people out here getting snatched and lost. Um, but write down, write down any idea you have. Have some, like really also like have a notepad in the bathroom because your best ideas come when you're in the shower. No, when That's you're in the true. shower and pooping. Oh my God. I like wrote Jurassic Park in the shower. <laughs> Somebody owes me some money, but whatever. Um, but I would say just write down any idea you have. And honestly, there's no idea, you know, that's a bad idea because it's always yours. Um, also collaborate with other people who you respect. You respect their art because what you're, if, if you're a filmmaker, you're making art. And um, don't worry about it. Don't worry about if someone else doesn't get it. You know, people didn't get prints at first. People say, don't worry. As long as you get it. And as long as you like it, do what you like, do what you love, and do what you know. And But mostly, do it. Thank you. <laughs> well, Gabourey, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. And yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is dope. Thank y'all. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Thank you. Represent is produced by the lovely, amazing Verilyn Williams. Our wonderful event producer is Kirsten Holtz. And as always, we are grateful for our excellent social media assistant, Marissa Martinelli. Our intro-outro music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. And a huge thank you to Clint Bowie and the New Orleans Film Festival for having us. Also, are you listening to the Culture Gap Fest yet? It's Slate's weekly criticism show that covers the whole spectrum of culture. I've been on to talk about film and TV, but they also tackle music, podcasts, and social media trends. Last week, they discussed a New York Times article about teenage anxiety and debated whether the piece makes a convincing case for why anxiety has replaced depression as the predominant ailment of teenagers. I would highly recommend starting there. Find and download the Culture Gab Fest wherever you get your podcasts. All right, until next time. Mm-hmm.